Hello, how are you guys? Um, I don't know why, but I feel really giddy. Um, I think it's to do with um, my feet. One of my left foot is kind of tucked underneath my bum and I'm wearing woolly socks because I wear woolly socks every day because it's fucking freezing. Um, but and my right foot is kind of close to the radiator underneath the kitchen table and um, I've got a scarf on and yeah I just feel cozy and when I feel cozy and warm I I don't know I just have a, like a massive grin on my face and it just makes me feel giddy um so yeah I feel giddy um I have a beautiful pear and Frisia candle burning uh, which my sister gave me for Christmas and it is just after 5 p.m. and it is still light outside. I mean, you know, it's that like dark blue, but it's light. I mean, you could go for a walk outside and people would actually see you without a high vis on. So um, yay for non-high vis season upon us soon. Um, I don't know about where you guys are in the world, but... Yesterday, here in Mayo in Ireland, it felt kind of like spring was in the air. <laughs> I know that's a weird thing to say because it's been touching, you know, minus three, minus four. But I don't know, it just the sky has been so blue and the colour of the countryside, I, I suppose, kind of has been made sharper by the ice and the snow and... Uh, the wildlife is just more noticeable where you see it the birds the rabbits everything just seems to be growing again and yeah it's just made me feel really happy and I guess a bit giddy um yeah it's lovely to be back I spent um Christmas in Cork with my sister my brother and my dad um, and it was great. It was really, really, really great. I think after spending a number of months here by myself and um, the company of my family and just being in the home I grew up in was just so comforting and warm and happy. Um, and it was just so lovely to walk down the lane and through the fields that were a fundamental part of my childhood. Um, and just, you know, go for beach swims and drink tea and I don't know, just experiences shared are so wonderful. I don't need to tell anyone that, do I? But it's good just to note. Um, so... Uh, without revising what happened in 2020, I thought I would share with you what I want for 2021. Um, and it's as simple as wanting and seeking more adventure. Um, over Christmas, when I was on Garrettstown Beach with my sister, one incredibly windy day, uh, there was two kite surfers out and it looked like they were synchronized swimming, except in the air. And it was just breathtaking to watch. Like you could sense the high they were experiencing kind of sailing through the wind and then hitting the ocean again. And I just looked at them and thought, I want that. And I've always, 
I used to windsurf when I was during the summers when I was younger um I tried surfing once but to be honest with you my balance is pretty terrible um so I feel like kite surfing is the one for me so I'm going to take up kite surfing this year as soon as um kind of those centers open again and I can actually learn from professional um and I'm going to climb more mountains I have always loved hiking and walking but since moving to Mayo I've kind of discovered a love for climbing um it's been totally accidental but I love it I love just getting my hands stuck into rock and soil and hoisting myself up um and so I think I will do more of that um as I drove back to Mayo um after Christmas I realized how country I really am living and I began to contemplate how I guess I craved that life I craved a life that um engaged more solitude um solitude country living and space for me um are a very happy and warm thing I think they probably would fill some people with fear and um even my best friend was like geez are you are you comfortable living here you know like would you not be kind of scared and uh, never I I don't feel I I don't feel fear from living by myself or from living in the middle of nowhere I, I I've never felt that way actually um there was one time I trekked the jungle um in Uti in southern India on my own maybe 10 miles um and you know there was there was tigers and there was elephants um around but I never felt fear and I think I just put it down to I just have a sense of spiritual strength that I will be okay um out in the middle of nowhere kind of on my own um and I feel very grateful for that but um I guess what this is leading me to is I kind of want to jump into the subject of marketing um and I guess when I was living in London it got to a point where just everything in my peripheral vision and everything around me everything around my home my environment was just so intoxicated with marketing messages whether it be on a shop front door or on a bus station sign or um yeah just posters um just there's there was just stuff everywhere you know like and in my last year living in London, it did actually start to really grate on my well-being. There was this one time I was going to speak at an event and I passed this like restaurant, I suppose, called Salad in 60 Seconds. And oh my God, it irked me. It just, everything about that message pissed me off. And I guess that's just one example of a marketing message that does not gel with me I do not like um, people presenting a food message that promises food in 60 seconds or less I think it is hugely 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 um, at conflict with the reality of food and does no one any favors does the psyche the subconscious the conscious of anyone any favors and I think that was probably the final straw for me, if I'm to be honest. I have always 
tried my best to when I've had to engage with marketing for the Happy Dummy Co that I do it responsibly um and to be honest with you I guess in a way that wouldn't grate on me um I just oh god I just marketing for me is a big subject and I don't really know where I stand on it still like obviously I guess I'm I'm talking about marketing in the capitalist sense because we we live in a capitalist world well depending again on where you are um and it is something I've thought about for years and years and years and I guess I'm kind of coming to like a climax point because I have to because this year I'll be opening um a bakery school in Mayo and I'm gonna have to know where I sit in terms of how I market that um but I guess for me uh the most important thing in life is honesty is truth and I've always been a lot more comfortable with telling stories um rather than coming up with taglines and uh marketing messages whatever that means I don't even fucking know but um and so when I started the Happy Tummy Co I guess I started it because of my personal story with IBS, with my gut health um, and with food in general. And um, that story started from when I was a little girl growing up the daughter of a horticulturist and, um, you know, really experiencing uh, food as soil and soil as food. Um, And over the course of my time with Happy Tummy Go, I've met a whole host of people who've you know advised me and tried to support me and help me um particularly with marketing messaging and it's just it's always been an uncomfortable place for me to be by the way FYI this might turn into a bit of a long podcast who fucking knows it might go longer than the normal half an hour I feel like this could be an hour one so um yeah bear with me um marketing I just I guess when there is a need to sell something and when there is a company that has been invested in and there are expectations of that company to turn over a certain amount of money year on year um, and reach certain goals marketing plays a fundamental role in that and it's not always good um and we accept that as a part of business as a part of capitalism as a part of uh you know serving need as well as demand um and i guess happy tummy co was created to serve a need um was there a demand for the product initially absolutely not there was very little demand um, but I think then when people saw what I was doing was to help with a need they had to eradicate themselves of their, of their IBS symptoms, um, then I guess the demand grew from there. Um, but I guess, so before Christmas, I had a chat with someone who's involved in um, regenerative farming. Um, and we were talking about... Uh, what he was doing and some of his ideas around um marketing what they were doing and it got my head like just buzzing with ideas and like how 
and what my approach to it would be in a very authentic, honest, truthful way. Um, and it got me thinking about all the people that have sat around my table, all the students I've met, all the customers I've engaged with, the like thousands of people I've met through doing talks over the past few years. And it just got me thinking about all their stories um, and in particular their relationship with their bodies and with relationships that they are in or are surrounded with um, and how food kind of implicates those relationships with themselves and with others. And I just I, like I couldn't sleep that night. Like I stayed up working until maybe half past midnight that night, just like just jotting and, and, and getting like all the ideas in my head, like kind of onto a few pages. Um, and then over Christmas, I, I guess those thoughts were kind of spiraling around my mind um, throughout each day and particularly at nighttime. Um, and then I met, well, I didn't meet Um, my sister and I were in town one day just going for a walk around Cork City and we stopped for coffee somewhere and we bumped into a girl that used to go to school with her who was a trained dentist but now runs a Botox clinic Um, and we started talking to her about Botox Um, and so for the purpose of uh, clarity and and, and telling you guys where, where I'm going here I kind of want to spend this time with you talking about cereals and Botox. Cereals, I know a lot about. Botox, I know sweet F all about. I know nothing about Botox, bar little snippets that I've heard from friends um, and like tiny snippets that maybe I've read. But I would say I know absolutely nothing about Botox. Um... But I kind of, I guess over the past few years, I've really strongly, hardly been obsessing over the relationship between cereals and how we feel about ourselves. Mostly our self-esteem and how we feel about our bodies kind of sexually. Um, I have had, I've gone on a journey with that. I've gone on a journey with how cereals and carbohydrates as a whole make me feel both mentally and physically and then I guess kind of secondary to that how they can play into how I feel about myself sexually because I think like most of you if I'm feeling uncomfortable in my body if I'm feeling like oh god I've got a bloated tummy like I don't maybe feel you know like I want to be sexually pleasured or that I want to give someone sexual pleasure so for me the relationship between um getting the cereal and carbohydrate that I eat right um has a, a profound effect on my sexual well-being um and I guess as Botox and aesthetics and kind of altering one's aesthetics become more popular um I am wondering how all of that is going to play out over the course of the next number of decades and you know what is going to be if if we understand there to be a gut health well a gut brain kind of relationship a gut brain axis that people talk about kind of flippantly almost now then what is the relationship between you know our skin and our gut because skin as an organ is the last organ in our body that nourishment reaches 
and um, I've always been fundamentally aware of that because for me with like the like redness I have on my face and the rosacea um it's it, it, it changes in accordance with how I eat um and so if I'm keeping myself very nourished the last organ in my body which is my skin will will hopefully um you know obtain some really really good nourishment there um and I don't know like I'm not a dermatologist I know very little about skin other than how to you know slightly manage my own better from year to year as I kind of grow closer and closer to a very very natural way of living um particularly with the products I put on my face and so it was really interesting to bump into this um lady from my sister's past and hear her talk about her work um and just listen and be very present present with the dialogue she was using um it was very very positive she talked about injecting vitamins into people's faces and how by injecting kind of the vitamins into the face of someone with rosacea really really had a profound effect on one's rosacea um and with someone as someone with rosacea I was like really listening really hard like really listening you know expecting to hear some kind of deep meaningful science on the matter that I could use almost to convince myself that oh my god that might be an option for me now um I have never considered in a meaningful way Botox for myself. There are two aspects of my face that I would get Botox for if I were to get Botox. Number one, there on my lip, like I feel like, you know, I, I have like one one kind of half of my lip is uneven. It, it's not like um a perfect match. So I've always thought, oh, it'd be really lovely just to get a little something in there and just lift that side of my lip up so that it kind of looks better. I would never do it. It's like just something I think about because you can, because there is an option to do that if I wanted to. And then secondly, I smile and laugh. Well, I haven't really laughed a lot this year, if I'm honest, but, um, you know, I, I I love to smile and I love to laugh. So I've got crow's feet around my eyes from obviously the past 34 years of doing that. And when I see pictures of myself, uh, well, actually not anymore, but in the past, those crow's feet would be like, oh, God, I wish they weren't there. Um, so those would have been something maybe I would have liked to have rectified. Now, I I don't want to do like I wouldn't even consider any of that for me personally because I I don't view anything on my face as a bad thing. I don't view anything on my face as a scar. I don't have like a, a thing that like triggers deep unhappiness in me. Um would I like to have like a less kind of red coloring on um the left cheek of my face? 100%. But it makes me who I am. And the older I get, I can really see my mother's face in me more and more, particularly her smile and particularly kind of the colouring on her cheeks. Um, and I really like that. I really like when people say to me, oh, you look so like your mom and you look so like your sister. And it just kind of bonds us. It bonds the three of us as women. 
And I really like that. I really like taking photos of me and my sister because number one, it records, you know, a lovely time I've spent with her. But number two, it records our faces and how they look like our moms did when she was our age. Um, And, you know, I guess it got me thinking that when I was in school in Mount Mercy in Cork, um, like around 15, yeah, around 15, 16, 15 for me anyway, we used to do this fashion show in transition year every year to raise money for a something that needed money. Um, and in our case that year, we raised money for the Rape Crisis Centre in Cork. Um, and as part of the fashion show, like it's it's um, managed by this professional guy and he brings in a woman who he works with. He's a professional makeup artist and she kind of gives us like tricks on like how to alter our makeup and things around weight and stuff. And over Christmas, I was just thinking like, two of the things we learned around that time were number one if you drink freezing water (laughs) you'll burn calories so like the next day after learning this everyone in my year was bringing in frozen bottles of volvic water including myself like a fucking nut job um and then secondly I'm I can't remember exactly now if this makeup artist said it to us or if just someone started doing it and then everyone else started doing it but a lot of girls in my year started wearing pseudocreme on their lips um and I tried it I put pseudocreme on my lips one day and it looked absolutely horrendous on me because when you put pseudocreme on your lips it kind of turns them like a very matte baby pink and the shape of my lips and the tone of my skin just this this thing just didn't work for me um other people it actually looked quite good on because they had quite plump lips wide lips just big lips um and for them and and they maybe had like a coloring on their face uh whereby the pseudocreme lip look didn't look horrendous you know it looked absolutely you know acceptable you would look at them and think ah there there now there is something um that doesn't look awful (laughs) um and so I think kind of since then I've uh you know I've never really been a, a lipstick person that whole red lip thing loads of trends come out don't they and you try them in the privacy of your own home and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like oh dear god that looks fucking terrible on me and so we've all had these like there's there's probably a very tiny percentage of trends that come out that will suit each one of us as individuals and that's fine the older you get the more you realize that to be true you accept it you move on you don't let it hinder your happiness and so I'm at a place now where okay I have that uneven lip thing but it is me it is my quirk I, I I love it about myself and I have discovered a couple of shades of lipstick that I actually can wear that make it look like I've kind of got bigger lips than I do and I'm like that's great when I temporarily want to feel like that or look like that I can put on lipstick and make my lips look a bit more plump and that's kind of what lipstick was designed to do and so that's great um but I guess what I'm doing here 
is, I guess, we can all storyboard our life and look back on our past and see the fads that we lived through and understand in high insight how they affected us um, and maybe how they still affect us today. And the lasting effects of having lived through different fads that were led by marketing um, is an interesting exercise and it's one I... I guess it's one I really fucking immersed myself in over the past week or two. Um, and I've come out now very strongly knowing that for me and my personal well-being, my mental health um, and my physical health, I definitely know that injecting vitamins into my face isn't something for me. And I admire someone's ability to be able to build their career on dialoguing something that is dialoguing something very well and, and, and making making it out to be of benefit no matter what your circumstance I admire people being able to do that like that is that is someone who is perhaps a good storyteller but more than anything is is um very very good in the art of convincing um I'm not at all anti-botox I do not know enough about it I absolutely support and get behind my friends who um engage with any type of aesthetic um health practitioner um to make themselves kind of feel better about themselves and how they look how we feel about how we look is intrinsic to everything else like it plays a massive massive part um in everything and so um I guess what I'm just saying here is that I am adamantly and vehemently aware of the power of marketing positive messaging storytelling and how it can kind of quickly seep into you and you can kind of action something without ever having really needed that to even take place so in another world or for example like if I wasn't doing what I was doing um maybe I would be more susceptible to the marketing unnecessarily working on me I do not have a need to change something on my face and I'm very fortunate for that because lots of people feel a deep need to change something on their face and like the fact that there is something out there that can help them with that need is absolutely brilliant but I guess what I'm trying to say is that just because something exists doesn't mean you have to engage with it. So we're all aware of like, you know, inverted commas, the superfoods that exist. Um, and a lot of us can kind of buy into those superfoods without maybe even having a need for them. 
we might already be getting all the right nourishment from our current diet we might not need to top up what we're already eating or ingesting with something else that promises um to do the same thing but because it exists and because it's said to be really good and like maybe maybe because there's no comparison maybe because it's never like no one ever like presents turmeric alongside barley to you and shows you okay so if you did this with barley you might get like similar effects that the turmeric can give you it's just presented as an ingredient and like this is really 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 good you know it I would recommend you make this a part of your diet now I with so obviously teff is that ingredient for me right teff is my turmeric teff is my like I for me I feel like teff is like the holy grail of all grains and I love adding it to as much stuff as possible but can you get the same amount of nourishment from other grains nuts and seeds um as you can teff well yes if you mix them in the right proportions um you you absolutely can but obviously as a single ingredient teff can deliver you way more nourishment um than one of those on its own so um marketing has become i hate to say it but it's kind of become like a worrying facet of just the art of business for me and the art of trade and the art of like just making a living um and I have shied away from it most of the time bar the times that I absolutely have to engage with it to make a living to make money of which I need to do a better job at um but let me talk about cereals because I think this is going to help me to explain maybe more around where I'm coming from so 20 percent of a person's diet no matter where they live in the world is cereal like and that can come in different formats millet wheat buckwheat teff um corn you know cereal kind of covers um all grain that's grown domestically for human consumption um and i've written about this before um kind of in my column on the website that uh even though 20 percent of our diet is cereal um, and cereal is really high in zinc and iron most people are actually deficient in zinc and iron or will go through periods of deficiency in those minerals um which is terrible because iron in particular uh makes you feel if your iron stores are depleted you're more likely to get injured if you are engaging in some form of movement exercise sport um and you're just going to feel like tired and and not good about yourself so I think anyone who goes through a period of iron deficiency for me like I would I'm not going to experience explain that as dangerous but I'm going to be like that's that's not a good place to be um so back in the day and I will link to a uh, blog I did on this the founders of Kellogg's cereal um I feel like they have to answer for a lot so it was basically two brothers but the brother um actually I'm just gonna move my chair closer ah that's better now I can like rest my back against the chair um one of the founders um was I guess a preacher back in the day 
um, you know, kind of gave sermons, I suppose, to his local community. Um, and he was a married man, but he really thought that sex was a bad thing, even though he did procreate himself. But his biggest, his biggest kind of, I guess the thing that bothered him most was masturbation. He was really, really, really anti-masturbation. And I guess he kind of went down the rabbit hole with it and thought that, I guess he saw himself as having a responsibility to stop people from masturbating. And he kind of had this idea that if people stopped masturbating, they would work harder and be better people, whatever that means. At the time in America, um, a lot of people were eating like meat for breakfast, um, eggs. People were eating a hot breakfast, really. Um, and he decided that if people ate bland cereal at breakfast with just some milk, that they would resist the urge to masturbate and they would work harder because they had carved out more time in their day by not having to do this cooked breakfast. Now they were just going to throw some cornflakes into a bowl, add some milk and Bob's your uncle. And so uh, cornflakes was born, um, Kellogg's cornflakes. Um, and it was a big, it was a big hit. There was uh, lots of advertising about it like um, you'll be able to google like a lot of the old posters um and a lot of the advertising was centered around you know like this is going to make you work better this is going to make you work harder this is just going to be better for you um but what happened was over the course of a few years as cornflakes sales went up so did i guess sugar consumption because these cornflakes weren't so nice without uh, a little tablespoon of sugar. And one of the brothers said, you know what, I think we need to add sugar to the cereal because everyone is adding sugar, everyone. So he wanted to start um, a new cereal called Fro- Frosted Cornflakes, which ultimately became Frosties. Um, and so ensued kind of a seven year like kind of fight between the brothers whereby one wanted no sugar on the cereal the other did obviously the guy that wanted sugar on the cereal you know he was the marketeer he was the businessman he did not see um preventing masturbation and encouraging work as a mission of his he just was like really into the nuts and bolts of the business um and making it work um and so basically after about seven years the business was split the brothers went their separate ways um the guy that was all for frosted cornflakes ultimately was then the ceo of kellogg's as we know it and kind of the original brother with the original idea went on to create a um granola so like kellogg's granola the interesting thing about this man was research around our microbiome and our gut health wasn't as um well recognized at the time i I mean it wasn't even really factual there was no development around that type of science but this brother intuitively knew that your the health of your gut was intrinsic to your physical and mental health um 
And I kind of go into a bit more detail on that in the blog post. So definitely give that a read if you have the time. But it really, really interests me that this man is the reason that we eat the cereal product that we do today. And it probably, I mean, this is very, very, very much a hypothesis. But I do hypothesize that if it weren't for Kellogg's, we probably wouldn't consume grain as much the way we do today if it weren't for them because they basically just industrialized grain into this unfermented product that meant we weren't going to assimilate the vitamins and nourishment from the grain if we were to have soaked sprouted fermented them into a cereal product or into bread and now I'm not sure if any of you guys have seen it but now Kellogg's have this like happy happy gut cereal um, and they've got prebiotic fiber on the front um, and they're allowed to have prebiotic fiber on the front because they've added chicory root to, to the recipe and chicory root is one of those like magic ingredients that people are adding to everything to enable them to use prebiotic fiber as a marketing message um, and so I've just I'm in a rabbit hole at the moment on all of this. I'm in a rabbit hole because cereals are hugely beneficial to our health when fermented, soaked or sprouted. There isn't a need to add chicory root to your cereal product if indeed you are soaking, sprouting or fermenting the grain because through engaging a grain in those processes anyway you are fundamentally increasing the prebiotic fiber content of a cereal, particularly in the case of wheat. So let's say you're mad into sourdough baking at the moment. If you were making a 100% whole grain sourdough and you are slowly fermenting that over a 24 hour period, the probability of you increasing the inherent prebiotic fiber content in that wheat grain um, by about 30% is honestly true um and so it just kind of blows my mind to see a brand use cereal as a platform and medium through which they are selling a way of living a way of being a health a way of being healthy but it's not coming from the ingredient itself. It's coming from fortification. It's coming from the addition of chicory root, in this case, for the Happy Guts cereal range. And it just vexes me. Like, it vexes me that over the past few years, carbohydrate, cereal, bread, these words have infiltrated the subconscious of people and made them feel bad about themselves, about their weight. Um, but now Kellogg's is like turning around and being like, oh no, 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 look, look here, prebiotic fiber, great. Do you care about your gut? Amazing. A bowl of this is going to deliver you a third of your the daily fiber that you need. And it's just like government and brands working together to just kind of like you know expand the borders a little bit more like here's how much fiber you should be eating per day now and like I don't know it's just spoon feeding people the paradigms in which health has to live and I just I really 
pull really annoys me um and so for me when I eat the bread that I make I feel good about myself my tummy feels good my mental health feels good you know I feel good like if I were in a relationship or if I were dating you know I would feel like confident and I would have the self-esteem whereby I would happily engage with sexual pleasure but when I'm back in the day like on those awful sliced pan breads and on cereals that make me constipated I don't feel good about myself sexually and where I'm going with this rant and weird stream of consciousness is I kind of feel that Botox and um beauty aesthetics are kind of filling a gap for people so whereby you know maybe you're you're not aware of how you should eat for your gut type and because you're not you're maybe eating things that are making you feel bad or and that can be mentally or physically but hey there's this other thing here in the corner um where I can inject stuff into myself and you know make an aspect of myself better and that'll make me feel good so that's great and like there's nothing wrong with that like we live on this earth to make choices but what vexes me is companies with responsibility to look after you and to nourish you use language and use marketing on a product to make it look healthy sound healthy make you feel healthy but it's not actually it's not being honest it's using a product that should be okay on its own when when put through the right process um to make you feel good like eating unfermented unsprouted unsoaked grains is not good for you I was um I was in the butchers in Mayo when I got back um just getting a few bits to get me through a few days um and they have other groceries and it's why I chose that butchers because I could get everything under the one roof um and we're in tier five now so you know it's all beneficial whatever and they had this sliced pan in the corner they had like a stack of sliced pan and I looked at it and like I hadn't made any bread like I had no bread product in the house to eat and I I really miss bread when I don't have it and a part of me really wanted to be able to buy this sliced pan on the packet it also said like high fiber and when I went to look at the ingredients I could see how they'd added more fiber to it but like fundamentally that sliced pan was going to make me feel fucking horrendous and really constipated and that would have then like implicated my mental health I would have just felt horrendous and then I would have probably thrown it out like the rest of the pack again that would have made me feel horrendous because the packaging the waste just all in all me buying that sliced pan would have been a terrible situation but because I've been doing what I've been doing for so long now like not a part of me not nostalgia not the like yearning for like you know a ham and cheese none of that like no ugh, yuck just don't want that bread and that's not me being snobby that's like not me being judgmental of anyone who eats sliced pan that's me saying I love my fucking body and I want to look after her and do the best I can for her over the course of her life because she does the thinking she makes the choices she does the giving she does the sharing she does the loving she does the teaching and she needs to she needs to have clarity and soundness 
around the decisions she makes so that she can live a happy life. And so I just, there's something in there for me. There's something in the relationship between cereals, Kellogg's as a brand, Botox as an approach to beauty and health. And I'm in the rabbit hole. I'm so fucking aware of it. But I guess I'm kind of looking forward to seeing where my mind is going to go with this. I'm going to I've committed now to doing some reading around it. I want to I want to learn more. I'm going to read more up on Botox and, you know, this like this this dialogue, which is injecting vitamins into your face um, every three months. And I just want to see where I am on it, because fundamentally, when the school opens up, you know, people are going to come to me and people ask me for my opinion on things and I want to be able to give a sound opinion and as the years go by more and more people are going to be engaging in um, Botox and different procedures like that to eradicate things on their face or around their body that are not conducive to their happiness like you know people that have like really sweaty hands they can get botox on their hands so that they don't sweat as much and that enables them to write and get on with their work at a pace that is better for them um men are getting botox in their armpits again for sweating because they get really embarrassed when their like shirt goes really sweaty in a meeting so like all these use cases are absolutely amazing if they're making that person happy But I think I just want to make sure that people that are engaging in things that promise happiness and promise a better life are always true and honest and do like fill people in on the the real story, the complete story. You know, like there are many countries around the world where you can't change your sexuality um, until you've kind of got been through like a two-year process with psychologists and interviews just to make sure that you're really sure about that um, and that I don't see that as like an extreme example I, I don't see that as me highlighting uh, that you know someone getting Botox should go through the same procedure I'm just saying that like we have different considerations and we've got different barometers for different things and it's just other people that are coming up with those um, systems and those approaches um, safe or not safe Um, and so I guess what I'm saying is put yourself in an environment that is conducive to your happiness driving back to Mayo from Cork I was so grateful to be here I'm so grateful to be in the middle of nowhere where I'm not passing those cafes that used to grate on my, um, just grate on me, just grate on my happiness. I climbed two mountains today and had my breakfast at the top of one overlooking a lake. I didn't pass any posters. I didn't pass any bus stops. And I chose that, you know, I, I'm living a life now where I purchase based on real need like before moving to Mayo I was in this store with my friend Jane 
and there was a really warm looking pajamas and a really nice warm looking cardigan on one of the rails and I bought both of those I wear that cardigan every second day and I wear the pajamas every night and they make my life in Mayo right now where it's cold way happier the functionality of them is brilliant the quality of them is brilliant and they just make me feel good it's a need I had that's been serviced Um, another friend of mine before I moved here got me a pair of red woolly socks again I wear those like every third day I wear woolly socks every day that is a need I have I see some Irish people wearing those like little ankle socks and they've got like a proper like section of ankle just exposed to the wind and I'm like how the fuck do you do that you're so hard but um so I guess I'm just kind of saying that you don't have to buy something just because there's an option to you don't have to engage with something just because there's the option to if you are making the choice to eat the cereal um to to get the botox because you want your lips to look a bit different and that is making you happy i am so for that but i think i just wanted to i guess get out this rant this stream of consciousness that's been taking up my headspace for the past couple of weeks because it has I have been thinking about this like this whole the the impact of Kellogg's on society for a long time now I have in the past considered is Botox an option for me is that something that will make me happier is like you know softening down those crow's feet around my eyes and making my lip a bit more plump is that something that's going to make me happy and fundamentally I came to the conclusion that like no actually it would put a bit of fear into me it'd make me feel a bit worried so I'm not going to do that now I made that decision and came to those conclusions without doing a huge amount of research so clearly it just wasn't really something I wanted to engage with anyway it wasn't important enough for me what's more important to me is buying a dry robe what's more important to me is like spending a bit more money on a really good bottle of wine versus like the alternative um and so there we go guys I'm gonna revisit these topics I'm sure I'm gonna read up a lot more on Botox because I guess as the school develops over the next number of decades I need to know more about that as a field of aesthetic medicine because Um, I'm sure it's going to have some sort of an impact on the work I do with people who um, have aesthetic work done. Um, And I'm just fundamentally aware of the role our self-esteem plays in the decisions we make, in the decisions around what we eat and what we do to make ourselves look a certain way. Um, And yeah, that's how I've started January with those kind of ideas in my mind I think I've moved on from food playing an intrinsic role on our gut health and I've moved into a place around where it plays a role in our sexual health how we feel about ourselves sexually Um, and then the other thing that I think I'm going to investigate a lot more is um psychedelics and the relationship psychedelics have with our sexual health our sexual being um and just our overall well-being um and yeah hope and pray to bring more honest 
discourse to the school and to allow you guys come um, and feel safe and vulnerable and open up about everything um, to a listening ear not a judgmental ear what I do is not about judgment what I do is about honesty truth and just trying my very best to be as authentic as possible um, and trying to support you guys in finding your authenticity your happiness um, and then yeah and, and finding your flight and and helping you fly away from the school knowing that you can feel safe and comforted and you more than anything you and that all the quirks and things that make you you tell the best story of all and that's it right you know when we're dead and gone we'll be a story to someone else or we'll be a part of someone else's story someone will say something about you to someone else um and that's magic so on that note have a great week have a great day have a great night um yeah just have a fucking great 2021 you know um I'm grateful to be here I'm grateful to have made it um and I must say I feel really really positive and happy about the future and uh grateful for the clarity I have this year that I didn't have last year um so yeah huge huge love guys um I really really hope that this year brings movement growth evolvement for you in whatever shape or form you want it in um and if I can be of help in any way to you this year please please let me know the older I get I um my feelings are are more than the ones of just a baker though a baker is a a great and probably the biggest part of that um yeah thank you for listening if you've gotten this far that was a long one okay guys huge love you're a baker girl Karen O'Donoghue